is a uh, crucial part of uh, dealing with uh, our conscience, sorry, is a crucial tool that God uses to help us in dealing with guilt. We realize that the, the conscience is the regulator. It is the thing that controls our guilt, the guilt that we have. And that is our God-given warning to the heart of men. We learned guilt is not just an arbitrary, uncontrolled aspect of life uh, that we all are, uh, you know, subject to without any thought or purpose, but that it in fact does have a purpose. And so we looked last week at the role of guilt. What is the role? What is the purpose? And it is literally to disquiet the conscience of man. That's the goal, is to disquiet the conscience. It is that guilt is put there by God to make you uncomfortable, for you to realize what it is that you're doing. Um, even uh, if you've done, as David did, all he could to conceal it, still your conscience becomes uh, your own hangman, as one man said. And it removes that inner peace that you would otherwise have. And so how are we supposed to respond to guilt? There are many that respond incorrectly. They try and squash it. They try and uh, silence it. They try and live, uh, exist with it there, uh, which we know ultimately causes a lot of problems. We didn't get into the health problems that it can cause, but it can cause health problems. And it certainly causes is, is a source for a lot of people dealing with depression and these kind of things. Uh, so that's not a good solution. <clears throat> trying to deal with guilt that way. No, we need to respond as David did, which you'll see in our text here that we're going to read, that he acknowledged his sin, that he confessed his sin, uh, you know, accepted it and forsook it. So, <clears throat> excuse me, let's look at the uh, text now. Psalms 32, this will be our text for this evening. We'll see here a Psalm of David. Uh, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the flood of great waters thou shalt not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve my, from my trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with a song of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and a bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are, of an upright, in, that are upright in heart." This is the text that we've gleaned these truths from, and so I mentioned last week, uh, did not have time to deal with the last two points, and we're going to deal with those last two points about living free from guilt. Ultimately, uh, you know, we already, as I discussed, that we looked at the root of guilt. Uh, we discussed the, our, our role, the role of guilt that it has in our life, the response to guilt. Uh, then, ultimately, the removal of guilt. The removal of guilt is something that God uh, has to do. He says here in verses 1 and 2, Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not 
iniquity in whose spirit there is no guile. You know, David was full of guilt, but he found grace. Amen. He found grace. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to come to the place where we find grace from God. God removes guilt when he forgives us of that transgression. God forgives us. And it is a privilege to be forgiven. Amen. Amen. It's a privilege to be forgiven, to know that you're forgiven. There is no burden heavier than the weight of unconfessed sin. But that weight can be removed when God forgives us. David said in verse number 4 there, he says, For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. That's the weight of guilt. That's the, the guilt of sin. When we know that we've transgressed, when we know we've committed iniquity, that weight is heavy upon us. And David said, it was night and day. It was always on me. But when I confessed it, I was forgiven. We see here four, in verses one and two, there are four aspects of sin or, you know, they could be synonyms, but uh, they, they each maybe imply or teach a little bit different thing here. You see the four things mentioned. There's transgression, there's sin, there's iniquity, and there's guile. Those four things uh, are laying heavy on his heart. That transgression is, is passing over a boundary to transgress, to pass the line. We know that God has put a line there. There's the law, and, and we have all have sinned because we have transgressed the law, the boundary line that God has established. Then sin, we know the definition of sin is, is missing the mark. Uh, um, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That verse has often been described or explained as missing the mark, coming short of perfection. That's what sin is. We miss the mark. We've, we've sinned. Iniquity is uh, a step further. It's, it's almost uh, a perversion or a distortion. It's going a little bit further, but iniquity is synonymous with the, the word of sin, the word sin translated in the Bible many different times. But then guile is fraud or deceit. It's fraud or deceit. It's almost the idea of David when he was trying to hide his sin. That would be the guile, the, the, the deceit, trying to find a way to disguise his sin and make it not so bad. Sometimes we, we lie to ourselves, don't we? We try and explain it away and say, well, well I'm, I'm doing okay. Or uh, we look at somebody else and we say, well, at least I, I'm not like that person or I, I'm not involved in that sin. So I'm all right with the sin that I have, even though the Holy Spirit has already convicted us of it and we know there's something that needs to be taken care of, but we try, that's what guile is, hiding it, trying to disguise it. Hey, all of these evils can be removed. We see there's three things mentioned in these two verses about the removal of guilt from the man. He says here there's three things. He says there's forgiven, covering, and not imputing. He says... Blessed is whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, and in verse number two, whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Three aspects of how God deals with the sin, that to forgive is to lift and to carry away. Have you had the burden of sin lifted? Oh, certainly, hopefully you've had it lifted at, at salvation when you were once and for all forgiven of your sin and uh, never will you have to endure the, the lasting penalty for sin and, and spend an eternity and try and pay for that yourself in hell because you've been forgiven. But sometimes we, we get dirty. Sometimes we transgress the law. Sometimes we, we don't believe in sinless perfection. You're not going to reach the, the place. Uh, I, I listened to a guy this week, uh, and he's 
a false teacher uh, in many ways, and I'm not going to get into it, but he was talking about how uh, that he was on some podcast, and he says, well, I got saved 18 years ago, and so I haven't told a lie in 18 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Very good. Uh, yeah, well, we know that that's not true. Uh but he, it's forgiven to lift and to carry away. We still, uh, you know, we know if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we transgress the law again, we've got to have our sins forgiven. That idea of covering is to cover your sin. How does God uh, cover your sin? Listen, you know what? As long as you try and cover your sin, as long as you try and hide it, God is not free to cover it. But as long as you're willing to expose it, and I don't mean to the whole church, praise the Lord, you don't have to confess it to the church, amen. I'm saying you just confess it to God, you expose it to Him and say, here it is. Then God can cover it once and for all. He covers it. How does He cover it? The Bible tells us that He puts it into the deepest sea. Maybe that's one way He covers it. Puts it down into the, into the deepest sea. In uh, Micah seven nineteen. He says, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And then he says, imputeth. That means to charge to somebody's account. Imputeth. He does not impute. Not, on, not only that, he doesn't impute your wickedness or your sin or my sin to me, but he imputes righteousness to us. That's an amazing thing. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, he says, And you, being dead in your sin... And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. He put your sin and my sin on the cross. So it could be covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He takes that sin and, you know, you've often seen any type of illustration like this where you've got a white, white piece of paper, clean paper with nothing, nothing on it. And, and we, we write sin on here and we're carrying that around and that's where guilt comes from. We're carrying that around, and I don't have a cross in here. We, we, we had nailed this to the cross here tonight for illustration, but that sin is taken. The Bible says that he takes that sin and, and uh, he cast it behind his back, that he puts it in the deepest uh, sea, that it gets nailed to the cross. Uh, there's one more place he does with our sin. He, he puts it as far as the east is from the west. Amen. I was, uh, my mind was blank there for a second. You know, the amazing thing about that idea of the east to the west is you know that east and west never meet. But if you, if you were to stand right here and you put a, a sign uh, said east, and those of you that are not directly challenged, don't question me on my direction. Let's just say east. Uh, and then on the other side of that sign, you put west. You know, the, the, the amazing thing is, is, if I'm going this way and I see that sign east and I'm heading this way, I will never again, I could keep going forever, and I will never reach the, where I'm looking again at west. I'm always going to be heading east. What, what I'm saying is you'll never again be faced with the sin that God's forgiven, that God's covered, that God has taken care of. You see, he, God removes that guilt. When you are forgiven, the burden is lifted how long have you been carrying that weight of sin? You could give it to God tonight. 
Every day, David said, every day it was before me, heavy on me. But when God confronted him through the prophet, he finally acknowledged his sin. He confessed and forsook it. You know, you'll not find a happier man than a forgiven man. The old songwriter said it right when he said, burdens are lifted at Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. So many, even Christians that are, that are you know, God-fearing, God-loving Christians that are following after the Lord, but they, they've taken upon themselves some sin or something that they know God is not pleased with, and they're carrying, they're carrying that guilt. And God wants to remove it if you'll just confess it, if you'll forsake it. God will lift that burden. He'll take it away. J.K. Chesterton said <clears throat> that God paints in many colors, but he never paints so gloriously as when he paints with white. God paint, painted the sunset with crimson and the ocean with blue and the trees with green and every flower with red and purple and yellow. But when he paints with white, he does his greatest work. Come now, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. God does his greatest work when he paints with white, when he forgives us. God removes that guilt because he forgives us. He removes it because he chooses to forget it. Have you ever had somebody forgive you? Sort of. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it seems to come back up from time to time. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Well, God forgets it, he says in Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-four. for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. God's forgotten it. Why are you still remembering it? In Isaiah 43, 25, he says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgression. I will not remember thy sin. He said, I'm not going to remember it. He chooses to forget God forgets your sin. The, the thing is, is many Christians, God wants to remove that guilt and He is the one that can do it because He has the power to forgive. But sometimes Christians need to come to the place where they're able to release the guilt themselves. That's the aspect that we still have on us because we're sinful creatures. We're just finite men. But we've got to release that guilt God wants us to be happy. There is no happier man than the forgiven man, but a forgiven man that does not embrace the forgiveness, that does not know that he's forgiven, that doesn't acknowledge or realize that, he's, not, he's still not happy. Even though he's been forgiven, he's still not happy. Why? Because he's still carrying around that guilt. Even though God has tried to remove it, he still feels that weight, even though God has tried to carry it for him. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Verse number two, blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. God wants men to be happy. You know, happiness is a futile endeavor for the unforgiven. For the unforgiven, it's a futile endeavor. You can strive and try to get as happy as you can get, but as long as you're carrying that weight and that burden of sin, you're, you're not going to get happy. But it is a faded expectation for the one who's been forgiven. I mean, it's a promise from God. We, it is an expectation that we should embrace the happiness that God wants us to feel and to have. Listen to David's thoughts in Romans chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. David 
talking about this idea of being forgiven, and maybe in reference to what he wrote here in the Psalms, but he said, even as David also describeth, the blessedness of the man whom God imputed not, I'm sorry, whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. David said, Hey, the man whom, it, whom righteousness has been imputed unto, whose sins have been forgiven, that's a happy man. That's a happy man. Back in 1830, George Wilson was convicted of robbing the U.S. mail. He was sentenced to be hung. While he was awaiting his execution date, President Andrew Jackson, hearing of his plight, decided to pardon him. Andrew Jackson wrote his letter, wrote his pardon, and sent it to him. Well, Wilson didn't want it. The matter went all the way to the Chief Justice, who concluded that Wilson would have to be executed because a pardon is not complete until it's accepted. A pardon, he said, is simply a slip of paper. The value is only determined by its acceptance of the person who has been pardoned. If it is refused, there is no pardon. That's the thing. God's forgiven a lot of Christians. But in their heart, in their mind, they're still carrying around that guilt. They haven't released it. They haven't accepted the pardon that God freely offered to them. I know you've probably all known believers in that situation who have long since carried a guilt that God strived to remove. You see, beloved, when we've been forgiven, we no longer stand guilty. Yes, we committed the crime, but you've been forgiven, so you're no longer guilty of that crime. The righteous judge has pronounced you guiltless, but still many carry around. You see, God has forgotten your sin. Why are you still holding on to it? We need to just, we, we trusted God. We believed him for salvation. Why can't, why are so many Christians having a hard time believing him for the forgiveness? The Bible says in Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That, that peace of God that God wants to send, you need to let that rule in your hearts. You need to accept the forgiveness that God has offered. The problem is, is we need to be careful who we're listening to. You see, the Holy Spirit will use your conscience to convict you or to reprove you of sin. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But what Satan does is he uses your conscience to remind you of sin. You remember when you did that? You remember when you said you were never going to do that again and you did it again anyway? God's tired of forgiving you for the same thing. He's not going to forgive you again. He, 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 Satan's goal is to remind you of that sin. He is the accuser of the brethren. And he accuses each and every one of us in our own mind. I read about a man that went to see a therapist or psychologist or counselor of some kind. He said, Doc, I've got a great problem. I need you to help me with my wife. 
The doctor said, what's the matter? He says, well, every time we get into an argument, she gets historical. The doctor said, don't you mean hysterical? And he says, no, historical. I mean, every time she brings up my past over and over again. What can we do? The doctor, of course, was at a loss for what to do for this guy. But, you know, that's what Satan does. He gets historical. He goes back and brings up the things that God has already put under the blood, that God has already forgiven and forgotten and cast as far as the east is from the west and put it, nailed it to the cross and put it behind his back and put it in the deepest sea. It's gone, but you're still carrying it around. You know, we have this piece of paper here. You see, the problem is many of us, if we're not careful, sometimes you bear marks in your body of something that was past. When I wrote sin on that first sheet, it transferred through to the one underneath. And although that sin has been forgiven, it's been cast away. Sometimes we've got some memory. We've got some, maybe some marks in our body, maybe some sin we had to bear. And we're still carrying it around and letting Satan remind us of it, even though it's been forgiven. We need to realize that that's under the blood. Sometimes there's some very painful things that have happened in your life. And Satan wants to keep bringing that up. But we've got to trust God and release that guilt. You need to say as Christ did, get thee behind me, Satan. And believe God for the forgiveness that he's offered. Don't let him continue to bring up the past. You know, one reason uh, we have a hard time maybe believing that God would forgive us for our sin, for what we did, is one of two things. Either we have a hard time forgiving others, or there's been somebody in our life who should have but has not forgiven you. And so you look at that and listen, if you, the Bible is very clear. If you won't forgive others, your Heavenly Father is not going to forgive you. So that's a true statement. If you, if you harbor anger or hatred or bitterness, whatever it is in your heart, and you're forgiving others, then you've got to get that right before you seek forgiveness from God. But if there's somebody else that won't forgive you, there's nothing you can do about that. And realize that that person is not God. And that person is not the one that determines whether you're forgiven or not. It's God. And God is not like that person. So don't let that influence the way that you think of him. C.S. Lewis said this, A great deal of our anxiety to make excuses comes from not really believing in the forgiveness of sin. From thinking that God will not take us to himself again unless he has somehow satisfied or maybe some case could be made in our favor. But that would not be forgiveness at all. Real forgiveness means looking steadily at the sin, the sin that is left over without any excuse, without any allowances, and seeing it in all of its horror, in all of its dirt, all of its meanness, all of its malice, and nevertheless being wholly reconciled to that man.
That is forgiveness. And that is something we can always count on God for. So God wants to forgive. He will forgive. We just need to let go. We need to release it. On the island of Trinidad, uh, went there on a mission trip some years ago. And uh, they have what's called a tar pit. And uh, where they get all their tar for the roads there. It actually gets loaded onto barges and hauled to other countries and everything else. But they had this tar pit, which essentially was a, uh, a volcano that is just constantly erupting, just pushing tar to the surface. And uh, we went out here and we walked on this tar pit. And you can actually walk on the tar. It's hard enough to hold you, but then if you scoop down in there, you can scoop it up. And uh, it does not matter how much tar they take out of this hole. In 72 hours, it'll be back level with the ground. They have dug a hole 280 feet deep in this tar. And in 72 hours, it was back full. That's how the grace of God is. That's how the forgiveness of God is. It doesn't matter how many times you have transgressed, how many times you've come to the Lord for forgiveness, how many times you've begged Him and asked Him, Lord, I know that I've sinned and I'm sorry. And that guilt weighs heavy on you and you feel like, man, there's just, I can't come to Him again. I want you to know that His grace is never ending. That His mercy endureth forever. And that tar pit, that grace is going to be full again in the morning. The Bible says all over the book of Psalms that His mercies are new every morning. And that's the forgiveness of God. So embrace the forgiveness. Let God remove the guilt, and you as an individual release the guilt.